Welcome to the perfect place for imperfect people. This is the Local Church Podcast, and we hope this message both challenges and encourages you. Here's today's message. Hey, I'm Johnny. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, I've got one question for you today. As we begin, one question. Is it hot at your house? Is it, is it been hot where you live? I mean, it, it, is where, it is where I live, Tracy and I. You step out the door, it's like 105, or it seems like 150. Um, but I guess it should be. This is South Florida, right? It's July, right? It's summer. It's supposed to be hot. But did you hear how hot it was in Homestead just a couple of days ago? Uh-oh's right. Did you hear how hot it was in Homestead just a couple of days ago? was it? You're going to regret that, Florence. How hot was it? Well, it was so hot in Homestead the other day that the farmers were pulling up baked potatoes. That's how, that's how hot it was. If you're watching online, don't Google it. It's not true. It's not true. But we've been in this summer series called Local Voices uh, now for a little while. And Pastor Eric is back next week. And man, I can't wait. I miss my friend. I love uh, Eric and Jessica. They're three kids. They're busy. Okay, so we give them uh, a little time off in July. And uh, man, they can, they can just go and be a family and love on one another and walk on beaches and travel and eat good food and all of that. So but we're going to welcome him back uh, next week. But remember, uh, to start this particular series, we had Micah. Remember Micah? He, he was from... Uh, he was from the ministry that we partner uh, with, Vapor Ministries. And they do great work in Africa in just exceeding poverty. And he, he brought a powerful message really about purpose. Uh, and then right after that was Pastor Garland, who is just a dear friend of mine. And anytime I'm sitting out there and I'm listening to Gar up here, it's like you're in his living room and you're just having a conversation with a very wise man. And that was a, that was a power, powerful message about right versus wrong, about doing right versus doing wrong from the Psalms. And then last week, Pastor Steve, who's growing up before our eyes, right? I remember before he started college and he wasn't married and he had chicken fingers and chocolate milk for lunch. And now he's married, he's got kids and he, he doesn't fill the position. He pastors the position and he, he brought a great message last week. If you haven't watched it, go back and watch it. It's about surrender. And he had these bags. And, and yes, I, how many men are like that? We, we're, we're not making two trips from Publix. We're grabbing all those and we're going with it. But, but Pastor Steve did a great job last week, man. We appreciate you, Pastor Steve. Uh, and so today it's my turn. And so as I'm thinking and praying through, Lord, what, what, what do you want me to speak about? It was kind of like, well, what's on your heart? What is on your heart? That's always a good place uh, to start. And uh, so Tracy and I, uh, and I've said this before, we are really in the best season uh, of life. Now, it only took 60 years to get here, okay? But, but all the seasons, we've enjoyed them. We really have. When the kids were small, we had married five years before we had kids. That was a great season. But, but they've all been really good. But we, we just look at each other and giggle. I mean, we're in the best season of life right now because I'm a pawpaw. She, she's Nani. You know, we, yes, we're still dads to our girls and, and, and our son-in-laws. Uh, but man, we've got these wonderful, five little wonderful beauties that, 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 man, that's our treasure. That's our treasure right there. And so as I'm thinking about 
Lord, uh, help me know what to, what to speak about. It just, it, it really started coming to my mind. I'm concerned. I get concerned a lot of times. If I'm not careful, it goes into worry about what kind of world we're passing down. Anybody else? Any of you papas concerned about that? What are we passing down to our kids? Man, the world seems crazy. It's tumultuous. There's always news 24-7. We need to turn off the news and love our neighbor, I think. But, but there's always that 24-hour news cycle. And, and it just seems like we're leaving this crazy thing behind for them. But then the Lord kind of got a hold of me and he said, you, you don't have much control over that. That's, that's not what your responsibility. Your responsibility is the gospel. What are you passing down to your children? Carry it on and pass it down. So the title today really is, is just that. It's carry on. And I want to give us hope today because of all people, we have the most hope and the most help. You realize that. Those of us who are believers, those of us who are Christians, Jesus has already come. He's already put on an earth suit. He did the work for us. He did a work that only he could do. He died for us. And if you are a believer today, you're in Christ. That's your identity. And you have hope and you have help that no one else has. We have the Holy Spirit. We have scriptures. Uh, we, we have teaching. We have church. We have fellowship. We have family. We, we've got things. And so we have hope and we have helped today. So we're going to unpack some of this. If you're taking notes, don't forget to go to the church app, the local church app. You can follow along. There's blanks there. You can fill in the blanks. Everything that I'm talking about, you can fill in blanks and, care, and, and, and follow right along if you're taking notes. So I want to give a little background before we begin to unpack this. We're going to be in the first chapter of Exodus. Okay, Exodus. Genesis is my favorite book. And Exodus is just like the 51st chapter of Genesis. Exodus just continues the story. Uh, remember, in, in, in the beginning, uh, the original Hebrew scriptures, the Tanakh, it's the Torah, the prophets and the writings. It's the Torah. The Torah is all one book. Now, it has natural designations that, that we've come back later and made separate five separate books, but it's all one. They used to memorize it as all one book. Try that. If you're not doing anything today, try, try memorizing the, the, the Torah all the way through. But as we pick up the story uh, today, this is whenever we think of Exodus, we always think about those 400 years or nearly 400 years in slavery, right? And Moses and, 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 and taking them out over the Red Sea and out. Uh, we're we're pre-slavery today. We're talking things that happened uh, before they went into that 400 years uh, of subservient slavery to Pharaoh. We're talking at the very beginning of Exodus. And so as we pick it up today, the children of Israel have favor in Egypt. There was a time when that happened. There was a time when the children of Israel had favor in Egypt. And so that's not going to last for very long, but... They, they grew, they expanded, uh, they grew in numbers, they had favor with man, they had favor with God. Things were good, but things were about to change. And so, let's read it together. Exodus chapter 1, verses 6 through 10, and we'll, we'll, we'll unpack this. And Joseph died, all his brothers, and all that generation. We're going to come back to that. Verse 7, but the children of Israel, leave verse 7 up for just a minute, but the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly. They multiplied and grew exceedingly mighty, and the land was filled with them. Notice what it says, but the children of Israel. This could have been 50, this was right after Joseph died, and that generation, this could be 40, 50, 60, 70 years later that, that, that Exodus 1 is talking about here. 
and they remained, I want you to get this, they remained children of Israel. They didn't assimilate into the world. They didn't assimilate into Egypt. They kept themselves distinct. They passed down knowledge of Yahweh. They passed down knowledge of the Lord God. And they remained the children of Israel. And they were fruitful. They increased abundantly. They multiplied. And the land was filled with them. Look at verse 8. Here comes trouble. Now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. The new sheriff comes to town. This is quite a few years later. He doesn't know Joseph. He has no favor with Joseph. He sees it differently. And he said to his people, look, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply and it happen in the event of war, that they also join our enemies and fight against us and so go up out of the land. Okay, here's our first big thought for the day. God expects every generation to carry the gospel forward. You want to know, what's my purpose? What does God expect of me? I feel like I get lost in the shuffle of the world, the, the, the day in and day out. What, what, what does God want of me? Well, he wants every generation to carry the gospel forward and to pass it down. That's what he requires, and that's what he expects. God's people need to carry God's message forward. Who else is going to do it? That's us. We carry the gospel message forward and we pass it down. Now that's a true statement, but I want to begin with verse six. I told you we were going to go back to that because it's an obvious and painful reality. Those who have come before us will go away. Joseph died, all of his brothers and all that generation. Those who have come before us, those who carried the, the way, those who led the way will one day pass away. Billy Graham is no longer on the earth. He did all he could. He fought and lived, I think, 100 years, but he's no longer with us. Those who lead the way will one day pass away. And, but, but think about that first generation that was there. They could look, they could go into Goshen, which was the land they were given, which was in Egypt. It was in the northern part. It would be like um, Ocala, except nicer, okay? <laughs> Sorry if you're watching from Ocala. Goshen, it was fruitful. It was right by the Nile. A great piece of land to have. And so they would have, they would have walked around that. On, on, and depending on the day, you might have seen Joseph. Uh, you might have seen Asher, Benjamin, Dan, Gad, Ishikar, Judah, Joseph, Levi, Naphtali, Reuben, Simeon, Zebulun, all the 12 tribes. You might have seen the figureheads walking around. And you might have seen their sons and their grandchildren, depending on the day and depending on the area. You could walk around. You could see the ones who had carried the message, who had led the way. But now they're gone. And Joseph and all that generation. And now it's our turn. Now it's us. Now it's me. Now it's you. It's us who carry the gospel message forward. So, so I want you to think about this. Who was some of your icons? It could be more than one. Some, for me it was, but think, who are your icons that led the way, that helped shape your soul, that showed you the love of Jesus? But now they're not here anymore. It could be, could be a parent, maybe that dear old abuela, uh, it could be an aunt or an uncle or a big brother even or sister or a coach or a mentor. It could be somebody like that. For me, it was my mom. And uh, my, I mean, I miss my mom every day. Anybody else miss your mom? I miss her every day. She, she went home in, in uh, 2009. And I always talk with the Lord about this. It was too early. She was only 74. He always 
reminds me that he's in control. He's got this, you know, he, 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 I'm going to get to spend eternity with her. Everything's going to be all right. But she was only 74. She had a diagnosis. She had this diagnosis that she was only going to live 13 months or, or 12. She was only going to live about a year. She lived 13 months. But, but I'm thinking back, you know, earlier when she was younger, she was a nurse. She worked hard. Uh, and I was somewhat of a rebellious teenager who sometimes liked to stay out after his curfew. And mom had to get up in the, early in the morning. Am I speaking to anybody out there? You guys raise anybody like that? But mom would sleep on the sofa until I got home. That's a mom's love. I mean, that's just a mom's love. She wanted to make sure, but she couldn't sleep soundly, securely. She couldn't go to bed until her boy got home. Now, if I was late, we were going to talk about it the next day for sure. But she wanted to make sure that I got home safe. And then again, that last year of her life, I watched her live out the gospel. Now, she studied the, the Bible. My dad would study the Bible as well, especially as I got older, especially in my older teenage years. They were, they were in the Bible all the time. But as she was passing away that last year, I saw her take hold of Jesus. I mean, there's something about when your time is up and you, you have to grab hold of him. And, and she did that. And Philippians 4 was some of her favorite verses. Those passages, I think it's 4 through 8 or somewhere right in there. You'll recognize it. Where Paul says, uh, whatsoever things are good and pure and right and holy and just and of good report, think on these things. You remember that one? Well, she did that. And the God of peace will guard your heart and mind through Jesus Christ. God's peace guarded her. It really did. And so I saw that. I saw her claim those scriptures. I saw her read her Bible. And even on her deathbed, I got to be with her and I was holding her hand as she really took her last breath here and her first step into heaven. And I was reading that scripture to her. I was reading, I had this Bible, this very Bible right here. And I was reading some other things to her that, that I knew that, that, that were her favorites. And I was trying to sing uh, some of the hymns and I can't sing. Uh, so I wanted, I just let her go in peace. I stopped singing, but, but we kept reading scripture and I, I love that, that, that even on her deathbed, that meant something to her. She, she held on to Jesus until she went home. Listen, she lived it out. She carried the gospel with her and she gave it away to us. But now she's gone. And my dad's gone too. He was a little rough around the edges. He wasn't quite as lovable as, as mom was, but he loved Jesus and he's, he's in heaven today. They're gone. So what do I do? Do I give up? Those who loved me most are gone. Those who taught me and showed me the way are gone. Do I just give up? No. The messengers go on. Those who brought it to us will go away. And now it's our turn. Now it's our turn and it's our responsibility and it truly is. And, and here's something that I, I really want to get across to you. And I feel like the Lord really wants me to get this across to you. It's our responsibility. It's our responsibility to, to carry the gospel message and to pass it down. No one else on this earth is going to do that. It's the great commission. He's left it here for us to do, and it begins in our home. As for me and my house, said Joshua, we will serve the Lord. So it's our responsibility to do it. Now, it's, it's not always easy. And I, and I understand that sometimes divorce happens, and, and, and sometimes you only get them for a certain while. While you have them, you live it out. 
While you have them, you carry it forward. While you have them, you pass it down to them. I understand that there can be difficulties in the way, and there, and there, there, there always will. But it's our responsibility. Please don't be like the parent who says, I'm just going to let them make their decision. I'm going to let them choose who they want to worship or if they want to worship. If that's you, listen, if you're going to do that, let them decide what they're going to eat. Let them decide if they have a bedtime. Let them decide if they want to go to school. Let them decide if they want to play in the street. Because if you're not going to help shape the most important eternal decision, the others aren't really going to matter. It's that important. We're to carry the gospel forward and we're to pass it down to the next generation. It's our mission to know him and to pass him down to the next generation. Now, I've already spoken a little bit about that. The mission's going to come with hardships. It just will. The enemy doesn't like it. The devil will fight you on this. It's going to come with hardships. It did for the children of Israel who were doing everything right. And it will for us. Let's go back and look at Exodus chapter 1 verse 8. Now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And I just want to take a side note here. Just a sidestep. That's favor. Their favor with man went away. And it always will. Your favor with God will never go away. So don't build on favor with man. If you have favor with man right now, you have the perfect job, you have the perfect boss. Uh, you've got everything is working right there, but it depends wholly on other people. You know, enjoy that. Thank God for that. But don't build on that. Your, your emotional, mental, spiritual health doesn't depend on the creation. It depends on the creator. And you never are out of favor with God. If you're his child, you're never out of favor with him. How do I know that? For God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son, though that we would have favor. He gave him so that whosoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. If you're, of the, maybe you're, if you're non-perishable today, if that's you, you have favor with God. Build on that. Enjoy favor with man. But realize that can come and go. And so there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. Here's our second big thought. And it backs up that scripture. New generations always bring new challenges. New generations will always bring new challenges. Now, please understand, the Hebrew people did nothing wrong. When I say Hebrew people and children of Israel, it's the same. It's the same thing. They weren't called Jews yet. They hadn't got to Judah, which is where they took, took that name. They're, they're in Egypt. This is long before the promised land. So they're children of Israel or they're Hebrews uh, for, for a good portion of, of the Old Testament. So they weren't doing anything wrong. They were doing everything right. God was blessing. They had favor with man. They were growing, multiplying. Things were great. But then a new sheriff comes to town. New generations always bring new challenges. I'm thinking, what about our generation? Silly question. Do we have challenges today? <laughs> yeah, do, you, do you face any challenges to carrying the gospel in your home and passing it down? I'm thinking about my, my generation. I'm at the end of the boomers. Uh, any baby boomers in the room today? Four of us. The others, the others just didn't hear me because we're old, right? The others couldn't hear me. Somebody shouted out, any boomers in the room? Yeah. I'm at the, I'm at the very end. I'm born in 61. I think it goes to 64. Um, and so, but I think, about, I think about things deeper than I used to. 
You know, as you, as you grow up and you see things and you see things that are cyclical, I, I think about things deeper than I used to. But I think about what my mom would have seen in her late 20s with three kids, 1961. They buy a house for $12,000. Dad got a new job. Woo, it's a three bed, one bath brick home in Moore, Oklahoma, which that's like the tin pin of Tornado Alley, you know. So, uh, but, but they, they, they bought a brand new, they bought this brand new house. 1961, and they raised three kids in, in there. And, and mom is, is doing what she's doing. But I'm thinking about the world outside. It's, it's tumultuous. There, now, there's good things, obviously. You can find good things all around if you look. You can find good things. But there was enough things on the news that were troublesome. I remember as a child, governors standing in front of schools with the National Guard, not letting little black and brown children in the building. I remember that. That, that happened in, in my generation when I was a kid. Horrible racism, horrible, real racism right there. It was in the laws. I remember Martin Luther King Jr. assassinated in Memphis in 1968. I was seven, but I remember seeing that on the news. I remember uh, the, the, my, my mom and how that affected uh, them, how that affected especially my mom. That's why it affected me. I'm, I'm thinking, who is this man? Thankfully, the movement didn't stop. But I remember that tumultuous turmoil in, in the world. You remember the Vietnam War? I was a young person. I was heading into my teenage years when the troops would be coming home and people would hold up signs and there were protests. They weren't treated like veterans are today with respect like they should be. These young men who got drafted, young men and women who were drafted and went into war and saw horrific things would come home to a horrific environment where people would spit on them in the airport. How are you going to heal when all of that goes on? Tumultuous times, riots in, at colleges, that's nothing new. Go to online school. Okay, that's my answer for that. That's my answer for that. But, but, but there, was, there were riots, there was all of these things. Remember Richard Nixon, 1971, Watergate, impeachment, all of that. I, so what did my mom do? Late 20s, three kids, all of this craziness in the world. She lived it out one day at a time. She got up and went to work every day. She worked hard. She loved her family. She made the best breakfast that I've ever had in my life on this earth. If anything was going to make me go back from eating the way I do now, it would be mom's breakfast, believe me. She lived it out. She couldn't control everything else, and we're not told to control everything else. She controlled what she could. She lived it out in our home. There was love and laughter in Jesus in our homes or in our home. She lived it out. New generations always bring new challenges. Ours today, we still have a lot of the same things erupting today. The church is more influenced by social media than it is by this. We've got challenges, church. There's challenges all over. So what do we do? Do we throw up our hands? Do we give up? Do we just go and, and live on the beach? That's almost an option for me. But do we do that? No, we don't, we don't do that. We live it out every single day. We take control of what we have been given control of. We've been given the responsibility to carry this gospel and to pass it down. But that comes with challenges out in the world. We know that. So I've taken two, two thoughts here that I just pulled from the text there could be more. There could be more. But I know there's at least two. And for time's sake, we only have time for these two. 
This will help you as the craziness in the world is going on. As you're trying to live out the gospel, carry the gospel, carry on in your home and pass it down to your kids, to your grandkids. This will help you with that. Okay, number one, Pharaoh may rule the palace, but God rules our heart. In other words, don't fear the world. Don't fear the world. Pharaoh may rule the palace. He always has. But God rules your heart. You can, and I say this a lot, you can have the most wonderful, abiding, joyful, strong relationship with Jesus. And it doesn't matter what's happening out there. He's here. Pharaoh may rule that palace, but God rules the heart. I think about, I think about in Jesus' day and in Paul's day. What was some of the craziness going way back to, to early first century? You know, Rome was a big time oppressor back in that day. Rome was a big time uh, oppressor. There was slavery, persecution, uh, corruption. Absolute power was the goal of Rome. You take Rome proper, this, the citizens, if you lived in Rome proper, you were a citizen, you had some rights. If you lived in Rome proper and you weren't a citizen, it was bad news. And her tentacles reached all the way out to, to the known world. She reached all the way across the Mediterranean, 1,400 miles to a little outpost called Jerusalem and Judah and Judea, that whole area, all the way up to Galilee. That was Rome, 1,400 miles. They had to pay taxes. They would never see anything for those taxes, but it was heavy taxes. And if you didn't pay, your kids would be taken from you. Pastor Steve talked about in our faith happens here moment. He went to Hebrews and he talked about our high priest, which is Jesus. The high priest in the Jewish day, back in Jesus day, that high priest was the highest office that you could have in Judaism. But in, in early first century, Rome had appointed the high priest. Caiaphas was a Roman appointee. The one who heard Jesus and sent him on to the crucifixion. He was a Roman appointee. He was a Roman puppet. You want to talk about corruption, oppression. It's always been here. It was in Jesus' day. It was in Paul's day. Rome beheaded Paul in about 68 AD. It's always been here. So but think about this. Jesus' mission went on anyway. Paul's mission went on anyway. The mission goes on no matter what's happening outside. So you may work for Pharaoh. You may not have any favor at your job. You're doing the best you can. Man, you put in 40, 50 hours a week. You give your best work and it's not appreciated and others are promoted above you because this person just doesn't like you. Anybody work for anybody like that at times? If your boss is here, keep that hand down. But that's, you may work for Pharaoh. You may, you may be married to Pharaoh. And that's, I'm just going to leave that right there. You may be married to, 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 to Pharaoh. You may be the only believer in your family. Carry on anyway. Carry on the good news, the gospel of Christ. What better thing to carry? Don't carry all kinds of down and, 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 and all kinds of the, the message of, of despondency. and all. Don't carry that. Carry the good news of Jesus. We of all people have hope. We've got good news. Gospel means good news. He's given it to us. It's our responsibility to carry it and pass it down to the next generation. Pharaoh may rule the palace, but God rules right in here. Amen. All right. The second thing. Remember, these are things that can help us. Now, this one is a little bit more personal, and I promise you there will be a little more of a bite with this one. As believers, we're to redeem the world 
and not marry the world. Jesus didn't come to pander to us. He came to transform us. Somebody say amen. That's just true. Jesus didn't come to pander to us. He came to transform us. And Egypt has a pull to her. Egypt does. The world does. The world has a natural pull. Egypt has beautiful things in her. There was the Nile. There were all kinds of, 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 of gods who weren't gods. All kinds of idols that would appeal to the eyes and the senses and the pleasure. Egypt had such a pull to her. But remember, the children of Israel remained during that time. They remained the children of Israel. Do you remember that old Bengals song, Walk Like an Egyptian? They didn't. They didn't walk like an they didn't. They didn't assimilate into that culture. They didn't buy into the world. And we're not supposed to either. The world has a pull to her, though. And we, we have to see it. We have to recognize it. We have to look at it. We have to say, no, I know what that is. I was driving from, from here to church. I, I was going to church. I was going back home. This has been a, a couple of weeks ago. And I, I was listening to sports radio because college football is about 40 some odd days away. And every man say amen. Amen. We, <laughs> yes. Thank you, sir. Yes. College football about 40, way, 40 days away. So I'm listening to sports radio. And if you listen to sports radio, you realize that there's lots of commercials, right? And there were in this time. There were lots of commercials uh, for, for various products, different things. But one commercial that kept repeating that troubled me because I'm a man and I've got son-in-laws. I feel, I feel sorry for young men in the world today was a gentleman's club that kept advertising on sports radio. And supposedly, they have the be most beautiful ladies in South Florida right there. And, and he, he just kept saying, ladies, 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 all day long at the Gentleman's Club. Have you, all day long, any time of the day. It's like, have your business lunch here at the Gentleman's Club. And I'm thinking, man, my poor son-in-laws. You know, they're, they're early 30s. And I'm thinking, there is nothing in this world that tells them to be men of God. Everything pulls them the other way, the, the, the way of the world. Some of it's more subtle. Very little of it is just shouting gentlemen's club and ladies in your ear. But that one was very little that tells my son-in-laws or me or you men to be men who love their wives, who are monogamous to their wife and to their God. Nothing else in this world tells us to, 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 to be that. Everything pulls us away. And one of my old pastors who's preaching this morning in Binger, Oklahoma, home of Johnny Bench. He's, he's still preaching. Um, but I love what he said about the grass being greener. He, he, he said the grass, a lot of times, you be careful because the grass can be greener on the other side of the fence because it's over a septic tank. You never know. You're going to get out there. You're going to get pulled in. And you never know the stink that's going to come from that. And so, listen, I know that there's people today that have one foot in the world. Okay, I've been there. I've been there. The world is a pool. We can have one foot in the world. But here's, here's my encouragement to you. We do, have, we do have a weapon. Yes, we have scripture. Yes, we have the armor of God, Ephesians 6. Yes, we have prayer. We have each other. But we have something that no one else has that's a gift that's been given to us. It's called repentance. I used to think of repentance as a hammer. Repentance is a gift. Repentance is a key that says, you can come home. You have the key. Come home. 
Repentance is just changing my mind, my thoughts. I'm not going to, Lord, I don't want this. I'm coming out of the world. I'm going to repent and I'm going to go back. If we're going to carry on the gospel of Jesus, if we're going to pass it down, we have to preserve it. If we mix it with the world, if I get over here, oh, I love Jesus, but I'm over here at the gentleman's club. You know, I'm do- what are we passing down? What are we passing? We're passing down a watery, muddy mess. Nobody wants that. Nobody wants that. So if we're going to pass down the pristine, pure, powerful gospel of Jesus, we can't marry the world. First John 2 says this, because sometimes we think we're the only ones that struggle with this. Look at this. First century, later first century. This was written after Paul was beheaded. John's still alive. He's the only disciple left. Do not love the things of the, of the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, Egypt, the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. John would have been probably the only original disciple left. He's still fighting the fight. He's still encouraging people. He's not going to be assimilated into the world. He's not giving up. The one last disciple is carrying on and passing down to the churches. And by the way, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Go back and read Genesis chapter 3. That's what pulled Adam and Eve to ultimate original sin, original depravity. You want to know where all the fallenness came from? That. That's why John says, stay away from that. It's been around forever. That's the enemy's tools. But it doesn't have to be your downfall. So new generations always bring new challenges. But the gospel doesn't change. All right. I want to talk about one last thing here. We're going to fast forward to Exodus chapter 2. Because God knew, Exodus chapter 2, God knew that, that the children of Israel were going to need a redeemer. They were going to need somebody to help them, to, to save them. And so he sends one. Look at verses 1 through 2. Exodus 2, 1. And a man of the house of Levi went and took as a wife a daughter of Levi. Now, Levi was the priestly realm. It was the priestly line. So Moses and Aaron are of the priestly line. Uh, the, 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 the daughter of Levi. This would have been Jochebed, Moses' mother. So the woman, Moses' mother, conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him three months. Why would she hide him? Well, there was an edict that the first, or the, the, that all the, the males born had to be killed. And so she hid him. Go read that whole story of the uh, very first of Exodus. It's an amazing story, really, of God working. Uh, she hides him. Eventually, Pharaoh's daughter finds him and raises him in the palace. And, and the mother gets to, gets to be part of that raising because Pharaoh's daughter doesn't know that that's the mother. Beautiful story, the way God works things. It's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful story. But God knew that they needed salvation from Egypt, so he sent Moses. God knew that we needed salvation from sin, so he sends Jesus. But here's my last thought. God is the redeemer, not us. God is the redeemer. God sent Moses at just the right time. God sent Jesus at just the right time. You are responsible for the message, okay? You're responsible to pass that down. That's our responsibility. I've harped on that. I don't want to spend any more time on that. But I want you to know that it's ultimately God who's the redeemer, not you. If you try to play the redeemer, man, 
You're going you're gonna to preach. You're going to take big Bibles and hit kids over the head. Don't do that. That hurts. Uh, you, you're going to mess some things up. So I want to put it like this. And we'll put this on the screen. We can only bring it to the ears. God brings it to the heart. We can only bring it to the ears. That's what you're responsible for, parent. That's what you're responsible for with your children. I can only bring it to the ears. And when I say ears, understand, I mean eyes. We're to live it out. We're to talk, talk it out as well. But that's, just, that's really all the power we have. That's our responsibility. And that's all that is our responsibility. I can only bring it to the ears. I can only bring it to the eyes. I can't, I can't take it to the heart. Getting it from here to here is a work of God. I want to put it like this. We don't owe the world godly kids, but we do owe our kids godly parents. And I hope that helps somebody today because you did the right thing. There was love, laughter, and Jesus in your home. You prayed with your kids. You read the Bible stories with them. You talked with them about the Lord. You did the right thing. And so maybe, but maybe they're, they, they've grown up. Maybe they're in college. Maybe they've got their own kids today. And maybe they, they're just, they just don't care about the things of God. Maybe they're far from him, but you did the right thing. You talked about it. You took it to the ear. You lived it out in, in, in their lives. Listen, well done, good and faithful servant. You owe your kids godly parents. You don't owe the world godly kids. That's a work of God. God is still at work on every prodigal that you know. And I know this about God. He does bring prodigals home. He brought my prodigal home. Yours may, yours may be out, it may be far from God. Read Luke 15, so was that one. So was that one. But if you've instilled the right things, if you brought it to the ear, those things are here. They're gonna remember those things. And so rest in that. God is the redeemer, not us. And we can take comfort in that, amen, amen. All right, thank you for being good listeners today. Hey, as we wrap up though, I wanna, I wanna talk about one more thing. Nothing's gonna be on the screen. But you know the 10th plague that happened was the plague of death, right? And the children of Israel were saved because they put the blood of the lamb on the doorposts, representing really the blood of Christ on the doorpost of our life, of our heart. And then on that night, the death angel goes by and when he sees the blood of the lamb, he passes by. I love this. He didn't knock on the door to see who was worthy. He didn't look in and say, are you worthy of this? God doesn't do that either. Listen, the blood of Christ was shed for you and me. All we have to do is say yes to it. It's efficient for everyone, but it's only effective for those who choose it. God's not gonna make you choose it. And some people in the room, maybe, maybe this is the first time that, that you felt pulled. Maybe you felt pulled for a while, but today is the day you need to say yes to Jesus. What does that mean? That just simply means, Lord, I realize that I'm a sinner. I realize you're the savior. I realize I can't save myself. I believe you're the son of God. I believe you are who this book says you are. I wanna follow you. I want to give my life to you. Come in and save me. I repent, Lord. I've changed my mind. I'm coming home. I'm coming to you. Listen, if that's you, I want to lead you in a prayer. And I also want to pray for the parents in the room. And you got a big job. That's, 
I've been there. I know what that's like. So I want to pray for the parents in the room, the grandparents in the room, all of us who have influence over that next generation. Let me pray. Father, thank you. Thank you again for the gathering of your people. Thank you for the gathering of your church. And Lord, I pray for those who've never said yes, but they're saying yes right now. Those online who are saying yes to Jesus. Lord, those in this room who may have never made that decision. They knew about you, but they didn't know you. Lord, I pray, fill them with your spirit. Save them today. And Lord, I, I pray for those who, those parents, those grandparents who have prodigals out there. Lord, I pray, bring prodigals home. Father, I pray for a miracle. Lord, you love them. You're still pursuing them. I pray, bring people into their lives, bring circumstances into their lives. They'll see Jesus and they'll remember they don't have to be out there in the world. They can come home. They can be safe in the arms of Jesus. Lord, bring prodigals home. And Father, for parents and grandparents who are doing the hard work, God, I pray for strength for them, energy for them, wisdom for them. And Lord, that they'll rest in knowing that the salvation of others is a work of God. It's not them, but they can carry this gospel forward and they can pass it down to the ears and the eyes of those coming after us. So Father, thank you. We give you praise for who you are, the Son of God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to the Local Church Podcast. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast and review and share what you learned today. You can connect with us at thelocalchurch.com or by searching The Local Church on your favorite social media platforms. We hope you join us next week for a brand new episode. And remember, you matter to God and you matter to us.